Hello. 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 <laughs> now that I've said hello to you, hello and welcome to another episode of uh, Two Guys Don't Work in the Cinema, um, where this month we'll be talking about Gone Girl, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Fury and Nightcrawler. Oh, Pretty. it's an exciting month. I'm excited to talk about these films, Mark, even though I wasn't yeah. a massive fan of all of them. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. I, I let me let like, I wonder if if uh, we can guess which ones you weren't the fan of. I wonder if you can. <laughs> I like to think long-term listeners will go. I know which ones he didn't like. Yeah, I'm sure I can hazard a guess. Uh, should we should we get on with some sort of turtle-based pun? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with. Well, the first film we'll be discussing is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is it turtley awesome or turtle shite? Play the theme tune. <laughs> So yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Were you were you a fan as a kid? Are we not talking Gone Girl first? Fuck it, no, no. Let's get this shit out of the way first. Yeah, go on then. Um, Yeah, I fucking love turtles to the point where. You know, like, there's all these kids' TV shows that everyone goes when you're a kid. Oh, did you watch Rainbow when you were a kid? Did you watch this? And it's like, no, I didn't. All I watched was Turtles <laughs> and Ghostbusters. I think that's all I watched wow. as a kid. I didn't even watch He-Man and Thundercats. I, I was aware of them, but all yeah. I watched was Turtles. I fucking loved it. Well, I mean, as as a kid, there's a, there's a, a story goes in my family that I would never eat pizza as a kid <laughs> until Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll try some of this. Never looked back. <laughs> Never looked back. So what you're saying is the turtles are responsible for the obesity epidemic that we currently in the possibly. midst of because young people were quite possibly. I mean, I think I think they had it wrong. You know, in this country when they changed it to Teenage Mutant Ninja, uh, sorry, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, yeah, because they thought kids were going to be like playing with nunchucks and taking folks' eyes out. No, the real problem was it was you know the Cholesterol. gateway for kids to yeah. It was a gateway for pizza. Should have been Teenage Mutant Healthy Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like I was a massive fan. But you know what? I, I went into this. I wasn't going to be precious about like, oh, my beloved turtles. They can't yeah, change yeah. it at all. I don't. I want the story to be exactly the same. The characters. I, I thought what's popular in the 80s is not necessarily going to be popular with kids nowadays. It's a reboot. Yeah. They're trying to reinvigorate the series for a modern audience. I was... Quite, I went in there with quite an open mind as to you know the direction, what new directions they might take yeah. it, and I wasn't going to go in there going no, it's not the same fucking crap, <laughs> but it was fucking crap. Um, <laughs> but just, yeah, just for yeah. so many basic reasons, just like where to start. I mean, what did you think before we get into the? Into well, it? it's it's funny because I mean I went on a Sunday afternoon and it was quite busy, and I was sat next to this little like six year old girl. <laughs> And she was she was with her family. She wasn't just wandering the cinema by herself, um, and she laughed all the way through it. And there was mm. a point at which I was like, "Well, maybe it, this just isn't for me. Maybe maybe that's what it is, you know? Mm. Um, like it's aimed at a younger audience. So you know, who am I to to turn around and, and say this is a, a crap film? But it it is. Mm. I mean, I, you know, it's. I got. I remember. I said something on Twitter. And called it Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and some uh, pedant said, "Well, actually, it's not. Uh, it's not his film. He's not directed it. Uh, he's just a producer. Fuck off." 
His stench he is has over it. his yeah exactly the stench of Mountain Dew and Doritos is all over it. <laughs> I just imagine that's that's his diet, Michael Bay. <laughs> you know, just these kind of just powdery orange fingerprints all over it. It's in. It, I mean, I listed some sort of Michael Bay traits. Um, that is that you know. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, is guilty of lingering shots of uh, of Megan Fox's arse. Yeah. Um, a hollow and empty feel to everything. Yeah. And that kind of Transformers falling noise. You know that that noise. I think so. I mean, I haven't seen you know what any I mean? of the Transformers films, but yeah. And and also just incoherent, I mean, just, incoherent. Yeah. The plot makes little to no sense. Yeah. And just, yeah, just not very good. I, um... oh, the, 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 the biggest problem with it, and it's not to compare it to the original, but the original like, film and the cartoon series, the characters had character in this. Yeah. No one's got any fucking character. So... No, it's like, it's basically like, you know that, you know the song, you know, Leonardo leads, Donatello yeah. does machines. Raphael is, what is it? Cool but crude, crude, I think. That's it, yeah. Michelangelo is a party dude. Yeah. Right? That's basically, what they've done is, they've taken those bits from the song, and that's right. That's, they're just, yeah. they're, they just represent that. There's no depth. Raphael acts moody a couple of times. He's like, oh. Yeah. And Michelangelo, Michelangelo's the one that's closest to having some character. It's just, it's just loads of annoying juvenile comments all the time. And yeah. as Jason pointed out, quite quite well like a budget Jonah Hill impersonation yes. for the whole film yeah. um, but like Leonardo doesn't really come across as a leader doesn't do anything leadery Donatello doesn't really have much personality but they've got it's like oh you've got to know that Michelangelo's a dude because we'll give him loads of fucking surfer attire yeah. and Donatello <laughs> um, stick a load of gadget shit on his body like he's got to wear yeah. com- Computer night vision goggles all the time. It's just like it's almost like like patronisingly think everyone's yeah. too stupid to understand that Donatello will be into technology unless we put technology all over him. So, well, or if you actually write a fucking character for him, people will, will know. And this is the thing: no, they don't talk to each other. And I after after this reboot, I went and watched the original film. The turtles right. they have conversations with each other and they talk about things. And you understand that Raphael is angsty and sort of conflicted because he has conversations about it with Splinter. Uh, he doesn't just fucking huff and puff a lot like he does in this one. And yeah, they all they all have character, and it's the same for Splinter, uh, and it's the same for Shredder as a villain. But in this new one, yeah. Splinter has no fucking character. Really. You're just at told all. that he's just told that he's really good at martial arts and he's their dad. Uh, and Shredder as a villain has no menace. Um, I thought the initial introduction of him actually was quite cool. Like he's 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 handcuffed yeah. and he and they they have to try and take him down while he's handcuffed. Uh, but like his whole after that, like he he never does anything. He just runs around in this big metal armor, and you're supposed to be scared of him because Shredder. But you're not yeah. because he, you don't see him do anything bad. Like in the original, he's he's leading all these teenagers uh, to become foot soldiers and and leading them astray, and he's doing bad things. He kidnaps Splinter and and sort of terrorizes him in this one he kidnaps him you don't really, really do much you never see and no. you're just told oh he's going to destroy the world by the way <laughs> and so i think like, the more of the films about april and this 
their backstory and this business bloke and all of that. It's all about that and not actually about the turtles and their relationships and what they get up to. And yeah, it becomes more about. It's not even a, a sort of an origin story, but it's all about the the the, the well, the, you know, that's the the wrong yeah. reference, but you know how they came to be. And there's a, like this kind of very odd, almost Oedipal uh, thing going on. In that, you know, like April O'Neil's technically their, she's like their yeah. mother figure, and Michelangelo's like hitting on her and stuff like that. And then yeah. William Fichtner slash Shredder is kind of responsible for their, you know, creation. So they're the kind of dad figure, and they want to they want to defeat him. And yeah. <laughs> it's like this is all just a little bit creepy and unpleasant. And it's so unnecessary <laughs> as well. It's just like I, I don't know if it's just some ridiculous kind of fan service, or it's just like. I don't know. Oh, let's make out like April was actually the one that named the turtles, yeah, and the rats, and she rescued them, and they're the why that she's the reason. I was like, it's fucking absurd, man. It's just stupid. Why? And her dad was the one that created the ooze that made them mutants. It's like what an utter load of bollocks. Like everyone <laughs> knows each other, and everyone's role within the film is all interlinked from from you know in the past. It's yeah, just really bizarre really really bizarre i didn't understand why they what they felt that added other than just to make yeah they thought fans would be like oh shit what a twist (laughs) (laughs) it's just bollocks and oh like not to like the original is some good film because it's naff it was uh it was a yeah it was an independent film it didn't even have a big hollywood budget but it was the most successful independent film of all time when it was released because it was turtles um but it was it was a naff film but it it kind of got the tone right like it was just a daft comic thing like Raphael would walk around in a coat and hat in the streets and fight Casey Jones and Casey Jones wouldn't be like hang on you're a fucking turtle (laughs) didn't realise and when you're told that Splinter knows martial arts because he copied his master doing it in the cage you yeah alright but in this (laughs) this realistic sort of transform like realistic sort of one set in a believable the same sort of universe that Transformers is set in like the real world um, you're he finds to a book or something. He finds he? a fucking picture book. He has no knowledge of martial arts whatever at all. He just f- picks up a picture book, literally just pictures, and becomes a fucking ninjutsu expert to the point without ever coming in con- to contact with another human being or anyone else and sparring with anyone. He becomes a, <laughs> an expert, able to hold his own against other proper people that have been doing it their whole lives against other people. Yeah. And and but and can also teach other people how to do it. So he not only does he become an expert, he becomes a teacher in it. Oh, it's just it's just <laughs> ridiculous. It's just it's well, just absurd. I mean, of course it is ridiculous. Of course it's absurd. But it's obviously yeah, it's turtles. It's about it's about turtles that know <laughs> martial arts. But yeah. it doesn't need to feel absurd. And when you're watching it, you should you suspending your disbelief when yeah, you go to watch yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shouldn't be a thing you have to do. Uh, or, or it shouldn't be a thing you have to. Or you shouldn't be aware of the fact you're trying to do. Exactly, it. yeah. But when you're going, this is this is too stupid. <laughs> it's the film has massively Even failed. For this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's things I like. There's well, there's little details that I thought were quite cool, like the when they discover that they're bulletproof. Oh, that's quite a cool idea. That's quite funny the way yeah, they did that. Yeah. The sense of power that they have, because that was never something in the original. Or that I remember, but the the idea that they are really quite heavy and strong, and they can fucking bash into cars and things yeah. like that idea that that was pretty cool. Um, 
I mean, the thing is, there, there's good stuff in it. I mean, it's not it's not nearly as offensively bad as like the Transformers films, for example. No. I mean, it's not it's not uh, it, it's not something I would have gone. Oh, it was, it was doomed from the beginning. It was an absolutely it was a failure of the concept was a failure and it should never have gotten off the ground it could have been a quite a competent enjoyable film if it had been directed or produced and handled by people that i think actually kept, it, it feels very heartless and like loveless like the, the people making it didn't really love turtles yeah. and didn't care about the franchise they just wanted to make a lot of money and reboot something that they felt was profitable but if it had been given yeah. a bit of love and attention and thought I think it could have worked. And kept, you could have kept the story the same, even with the stupid fan service stuff, but it was just the tone was all wrong. It was just ah, uh, it was just a big failure, I thought. I yeah, like. I mean it wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been, but it wasn't no. it's not particularly memorable or Yeah. Well it's mem- it's memorable for the wrong reasons, like the turtles <laughs> the turtles looking absolutely hideous and like grotesque to look they at. Are, yeah, they are Especially quite... Splinter. Oh Oh yeah. When I saw him I was like, ah. Oh! <laughs> the parents in there were like, "Behave yourself. It's not that bad." But he looked—he looked ridiculous and just really yeah. ugly, and he sounded really shit as well. They all—they all had really indistinctive voices, really bland vocal performances. I thought no yeah. one really—I don't know why Spencer was always imagined to be like Japanese. He had a like Asian accent because he was a, yeah. a kung fu master. Well, and also. Sensei. Was it not Johnny Knoxville playing Leonardo? And I was like, yeah. I didn't realise that until like the end credits. It didn't sound like Johnny Knoxville, you know, or anything. No, it's just, I didn't. Um, I'm Leonardo. I'm I'm the leader. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's my job because the song said so. It's just... <laughs> yeah, for a reboot, it requires, I think, an awful lot of prior knowledge of the turtles. That like you go to the film knowing that Raphael's the moody one and that Leonardo's the leader, uh, and I think. I wonder how much of that if you never heard of the turtles before. But I, I mean, I think the tur- I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is still something that is, you know, it's it's out there. Like there's still cartoon series and comic books and stuff like that the kids yeah. watch. And I, I, I don't think it's like trans. I mean, no, I suppose Transformers was kind of like that as well. But it is that kind of thing. It's like it's just another film. And if it, I, I don't think it's going to get a new audience for that franchise. No. Really. No, I don't um, think it's going to make a load of kids go, oh, we've got to go out and buy some toys. I really don't think yeah. uh, It was successful. It made money. But I don't know. I don't think they've uh, reinvigorated the franchise like they probably hoped they would. Yeah. I um, mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think so either. No. I think the, the cartoons on telly and stuff like that are probably still going to be what the kids will kind of skew towards. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Oh, it had... The most obnoxious product placement I've ever seen in my what, life. What, the Victoria's Secret thing? No, the fucking the Pizza that Hut. Was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was a whole, that whole scene was like an advert. It was like they put, you know, like you go to see a movie and before the movie, you remember when Skyfall came out, there were several uh, James oh, Bond-themed yeah. adverts for men's cologne or uh, aftershave, watches, and watches smartphones cars, and smartphones... And that whole scene was like a Pizza Hut advert that you would watch before you went to see the film, like a two-minute advert. It was just... It had this crazy spinning camera close-up of the pizza, and they're all going, oh, Pizza Hut, the new stuffed crust Pizza Hut is my favourite. Oh, the toppings are so... They just... 
it was ridiculous. Like, did, doesn't Splinter actually like describe the pizza as well? Just going on about yeah, the four cheeses. Yeah. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And it was so comic as well. Like they're all balancing on weird stuff. There's some sort of discipline training. And so yeah. it was just ridiculously comic. Like something you would get like in a patronising cartoon for children. For children go, Mum, can we go to Pizza Hut after the film? Like me when I was seven years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that. And I'm, I am so blind to product placement normally as well. Like, people always come out of a James Bond film and go, oh, all that fucking pro- product placement's like, was there? Didn't notice it. <laughs> but this was just unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. I'd knock a, po- if, I'd knock a point off the score just for that. Well, like, and the Victoria's Secret bit at the end was just like just this really cheap, nasty, slightly sexist joke. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, talking of sexism, shall we move on to Gone Girl? <laughs> yes, mate. Yeah. Because it's not sexist. There was a lot of lot of internet think pieces. Uh, mm. I've I've used this gag on my, my Doctor Who podcast, but fuck it, I'll use it again. The internet think pieces, you know, the the twenty first century's greatest contradiction. Um, Sort of saying that Gone Girl's misogynistic. No, it's not. This this is a woman that very much. Although, right, hang on. Before I go any further, yes. Are we gonna just gonna do this spoiler? Or are we gonna do this spoiler free? No, we we'll do. We you can't talk about it really in depth without talking about yeah. spoilers. There's gonna be spoilers for this. You might watch this show. This show. You might listen to watch this. Watch this show. We're too good for TV, mate. Too good for TV. <laughs> We, you might listen to this every month and think, oh, I don't care about spoilers. But if you ever intend to watch Gone Girl, skip this this bit because it is such a important... Uh, there's such an important big twist in it that it really yeah. will just completely make the the film redundant in a way. If you, Definitely. It's, so, yeah. So um, do you skip ahead maybe 15 minutes or something. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, uh, and then if you go too far, just slowly go backwards until you get to the right... <laughs> Spot. Yeah, or I mean, you pretty—I mean, you probably didn't miss much in that sort of three minutes that you skipped too far. You'll pick it. You'll pick it up. You'll you, pick no, it up you might—they might have missed the only funny joke we say in the whole, <laughs> the whole podcast. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, let's crack on. Spoilers abound for Gone Girl. Yeah, well, um, where to start? Where to start? Um, but I suppose, like I was saying, um, it, it's not misogynistic. I mean, this is a woman that that very much takes control of her. Of her situation to get yeah. revenge on on her husband, and also, I mean, it's just it's essentially fair enough. There is a sort of you know deconstruction of modern relationships. There's sort of a satire on the media and how they deal with sort of high profile crimes and stuff like that. Yeah. But really, ostensibly, it's it's a very campy, fantastical thriller, which you know is very very entertaining. Yeah. It's I... it's you know. I mean. I get that some people are like, oh, it's misogynist. Because I remember thinking, like, everyone was quiet at the end of the screen, and I thought oh, it would be hilarious to just go, huh, women, huh? <laughs> Bloody mental. I, I, I did walk out of that the screen I was in, and my mate was like, what did you think? I was like, bitches be crazy. <laughs> uh, so I can get that some people jump to that conclusion, but I think that's, that's looking at it in a very... Uh, it's not, yeah, it's not. Do, it's not doing the uh, the film justice because I don't think it is no. misogynist. I don't. Th- I think you're being willfully obtuse mm-hmm. if you if you come away from the film insisting it's misogynist because there's a lot more going on. It's like you say, it's a, it's a film about predominantly about a woman 
with her own character and her own motivations and yeah. she takes things into her own hands. She's a very well-written female character. And uh, it's I don't think it paints all women as crazy. I think it paints her particularly no, as... No, as... it very much doesn't. I mean, you've got the detective and you've got um, his sister who are very much, again, very well-written um, sort of female characters with depth. Yeah. And, you know, are very, very different from uh, from Rosamund Pike's character. Mm. And, so and it's very much not all women are, are this fucking yeah, insane. Yeah, and the men the men aren't innocent victims in it either. This isn't like no. a sort of what was that one with Glenn Close, the infamous sort of bunny boiler thing? Um Fatal Attraction. Yeah, and that was yeah, very much like an eighties thing. This was like almost like a modern sort of feminist reworking of that same idea. And this, yeah, and this sort time of your basic like, you know, instincts and your um yeah. fatal attraction and not yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so she isn't some cookie cutter villain that's just out to get the man and the man's the victim and he's out to protect his family or whatever. This is no. you know, a man's done something wrong and it's I don't and know, I mean punish him for it. Yeah, and you know, not to say that she's right to do what she does but you don't no. judge her, I don't think. She's just a compelling character with motivations that you understand and you want to see where it goes. And yeah, so I don't, I don't think. And it's you know it's written by it's written by a woman. And judging by the themes and the and the depth of the characters and their relationships and the stuff it's exploring about relationships, I don't think the writers coming across as that stupid to just write no, you know like a sexist misogynist um, story. But yeah, for me, I'd, it seemed to be about like expectations of what we want out of life, like where, like status, where we think we should be. Like she's very preoccupied. Like um, I was watching the Red Letter Media review of it, and they sort of criticise the fact that oh, it's really got no significance that she's based on a or uh, there's a kid's character based on an Amazing Amy, does. and it does because it's a because it she mentions does. that all all the stuff that Amazing Amy is stuff that she wasn't. So Amazing yeah. Amy accomplished this, and Amazing Amy got really good at this musical instrument. She didn't. So she has yeah. these kind of pressures of expectations of where but she also, thinks her life should be. Yeah, and also the fact that she becomes a story herself as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, by going missing and, and all this kind of thing. It's it's such a huge part of the film. I can't understand how anybody yeah. viewing it would go. Oh, there's no significance to the fact she's based. Her, you know, her childhood got turned into, yeah. into story books. But they're they're very obsessed about sort of like um, they're preoccupied with job jobs and status and like yeah. income, where they're living, because when they have to move, that becomes a big source of of uh, problems and sort of. There's lots of mentions of like um, savings and money and yeah. prenups and all this sort of stuff and and it's like that. Um, and when she finds out that she's been cheated on, that sort of the collapse of all of that, of her sort of how people see her and perceive her, she doesn't want to be this sort of um, the cheated on wife or the yeah. all that, and it drives her crazy. And it's about it's about that sort of you, that you put so much into a relationship, and if someone betrays you and and sort of ruins all of that, you want to fucking destroy them. It's like that's <laughs> that's what her character is yeah. like. She he's destroyed her and everything she's built. She's going to fucking destroy him. And it's a really, really, I think, interesting look at that sort of... Um, yeah, definitely. At that. Because, you know, the ending, which has caused a lot of complaints, like, why? She just has this baby and he's okay with it. And that, that's... I need to he's, watch it again to understand it. But I that like, thing about oh, we're like going to have kids... That thing about we're going to have this kid and we're going to pretend to be a happy family for the medium and all that. That's, that's about that. It ties in with that 
thing about you know the status of I'm going to have this happy yeah, family absolutely. and all that stuff. I mean, I do think that. I mean, you probably could have made the same point, ending it about fifteen minutes earlier. Yeah. When she does first come back, or or at least when he gets her back from the hospital, and then they sort of they're waving for the cameras and then close the door. I think the film could have quite easily just ended there, and yeah. you would have got the same point across. I think it kind of just hammers it home a little bit, just for the heart of understanding, for the yeah. last fifteen minutes. But you know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I thought it was really good, really clever satire of the media as well. The idea that um, news and journalism in the states has got so out of control that not that cases aren't just um, police investigations and cases aren't just decided on sort of public opinion and 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 all that. It doesn't just become a media circus, but the, it's got to that point that will it be, it will begin to inform like how criminals behave and how criminals yeah. can can set people up, knowing and their whole. Uh, sort of crime can be based on the knowledge of how the media are going to play it and all of that stuff and you yeah, can engineer yeah. a crime and getting away with a crime around that media thing that I thought was really really interesting that yes really no cool. absolutely um, it, is, it is that kind of great thing about you know the trial by media because yeah. um, it's just like he definitely did this you know um, and then all the all it takes is for him to go on and, and sort of be this kind of Almost sort of quite slimy, charming person that can just sort of charm the media around to actually go. Oh, actually, oh, he's, he's such a he didn't murder his wife. Like you know, you don't need evidence. All you need is is a sort of smiling face yeah. that tells you that I didn't do it. Yeah, believe me, I'm on television telling you that I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of weird thing about the sort of power of of I guess celebrity to a certain extent. Yeah. No, it's really. I really liked it. I mean, it's it's brilliantly shot, um, and it was just it's three hours long. But you said that Turtles was mercilessly short, mercifully short. Sorry. Yeah. I I thought Gone Girl flew by, and Turtles sort of yeah definitely dragged compared to Gone Girl, which was really really. But like any David Fincher, all these films are fucking three hours, but they're paced yeah, really well. They've true. got a rhythm, and that twist in the middle, I had absolutely no idea. I didn't see it coming. I did about five... I mean, to be honest, I did the moment you opened the garage, I was like, all oh, right, okay, she's still alive. Um, oh, no, I think I might have suspected. I was like, oh, shit, she's <laughs> still alive. I think the scene where he gets really pissed off when the police are talking to him, he smashes that glass. I was yeah. like, shit, is she still alive? Because <laughs> I knew there was going to be a twist. Yeah. And I thought maybe that's going to be the twist. Because someone had told me there's a twist, and I was sitting there going, oh, it's ruined because I know there's a twist, so I'm trying to predict <laughs> the twist. But when yeah. it happened in the middle of the film, I was like... This is amazing because I thought it's going to yeah, be at the end, just, and I didn't yeah. know where the where's the film going for the next hour and a half. This is great. It's really yeah. interesting to have a twist in the middle of a film, and the trailer had very carefully been orchestrated so that it doesn't give you any idea of what happens in yeah. that last half of the film. And I was like, this is fantastic. So halfway in, I was reinvigorated and I was like, on the edge of my seat, like, what's going to yeah, happen? Definitely. Where's this going to go? Brilliant. And also, I mean, it's great that you know because the twist happens in the middle, you're sort of then thinking about the first hour yeah. and how that completely changes everything that's happened in the pers- your perspective on it whilst yeah. you're also still trying to follow the second half it's yeah it's it's fantastic yeah it's really good <laughs> yeah just... yeah really really oh yeah, I really liked it I think it's probably um the best film I've David Finch has done in a while I think it's probably one of my my favorite of his yeah, uh, films since. Well, it's also um, maybe I Zodiac. Think, yeah, well, fair enough. Um, it's 
I think on track to be the biggest grossing 18 certificate film as well. Oh, wow, that's good. Um, which is great. Hopefully that means we're going to get more, you know, grown-up grown up blockbusters, I guess, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it was number one, number one in the box office for two or three weeks, I think. I'm hoping um, that he, this will give him the, the um, I don't know, not that David Fincher needs clout or leverage, but I'm hoping this will, his, the success of this will help him be able to make the next two the dragon I'm not that fussed trilogy I'd like to see him I've not seen the I've not read the books and I've not seen the originals and I don't want to I want to see him finish the trilogy before I watch them well I don't think it's going to happen no it it probably won't but it would be good (laughs) what did you think of the performances I mean I've always had a lot of time for Ben Affleck I don't get where well, I do get where it comes from. It's from the sort of J-Lo years. Um, this yeah. kind of dis- it's from the flat-out dis- awful films and performances that he's done. <laughs> yeah, around that period. Yeah. Um, but I do think he's capable of great things. I mean, you know, as he's a solid director. Yeah, um, He's capable of really good performances. I thought he was really good in the town. And in this, yeah. I think he's fantastic. Well, he was really good in Good Will Hunting, which he wrote as well. Yes, that's true. I think of he course, does have a course. talent, but I think he's also... He's got a range. He's a he's a bit of a McConaughey. He's you know he kind of take he took the money for a long time. No, I think he's got a very limited range. He can do roles that uh, a certain kind of not a big stretch. Like I don't know, like the town and Goodwill Hunting are very close to his heart. I think it was like very up Boston, yeah. Boston here because yeah. he's from Boston, isn't he? It's very um, centered around that. Um, and this playing that creepy weirdo, I thought he was really did that really well I don't think it wasn't quite the revelation that I was hoping for but he was really good Rosamund, he was good Rosamund Pike blew me away because I yeah she's amazing never man. seen her in anything good she just seemed to be doing shite after shite after shite she's in Die Another Day and Johnny English I just thought I wish she'd just disappear from from my from every film I'm going to see um, but she's really good in it yeah, really good. So that very, was, very good. And uh, she's not American either, and her accent was like really good. I forgot that I was watching someone do it. Well, of it's a lot better accent. than I've. Um, have you <laughs> went to see um, the Babadook yesterday morning? And no. uh, before beforehand, I want to talk about the Babadook actually at the end. Okay. Um, but um, <clears throat> there was a trailer for this this film that's coming out called Black Sea with Jude Law. Oh yeah. In which he plays a Scottish submarine captain. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's like I'm a I'm a submarine captain for Scotland. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, see, I'm fucking, I'm I'm sold on Black Sea because that fucking Scoot McNary in the trailer, and Scoot McNary's in this. And I, as soon as I saw him, I was so like, he is. <laughs> sat up and really stood up in the small... cinema. Scoot McNary <laughs> in a really small but important role, but impeccable performance. As always, yeah, absolutely. from, from Scoot yeah, McNary, absolutely. if you're listening, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. Jack Reacher is another shite film, Rosamund Pike. Was he? Oh, was she in that as well? Yeah. I never saw that. But no, she's, she's fantastic, and I'm sure she's, yeah. I'm sure this will lead to other great things. But also, I mean, all actors, when they do great performances, Are this you know, she... the, very, the very next film they're in is utter dross, usually. <laughs> <laughs> By comparison. Well, but, she was um, in that... that... Ben Affleck, not Ben Affleck. I'm saying she was in that Bill Connolly and um, David, David Tennant, Tennant thing. thing. Yeah. Um, 
Of course, of course. And she was in, I mean, she, she was in something else around the same time. What was the, was well, she, she's the in that one with Pierce Brosnan about killing themselves. Was she in that? No, that was uh, Tony Colletti. Oh. But you know, she gets around. No, I mean, I mean that... that in a purely career fashion. I'm not. <laughs> she was in that one with. She was in that one with Hugh McGregor, and Hugh McGregor. Is it Hugh McGregor? No, Simon no, Pegg. No, Simon Pegg. Yeah, that shitty thing. Fucking awful. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Very good performances. Do you reckon it was she, nice? Do you reckon she'll nice be up for an Oscar? Barney. Um. Maybe. Maybe. She deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's hope so. She's undone. The, camp, she's the campaign done all, starts here. She was so good. She's undone all the fucking shite that she's done before it. I've forgiven her. Good. I'm, I'm sure she'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> It was also nice to see um, Barney from uh, How I Met Your Mother getting his throat cut as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Neil Patrick Harris. That, that was mean. I, I'm sorry. Take I, that back. I don't, and I was I don't like How I Met Your Mother, and I completely agree with what you said. <laughs> um, but yeah, great, great performances, yeah, really great good. film. I think that will definitely be my top <clears throat> ten of the year, definitely. I well, really, really well, did like it. I thought it was really clever. Because it's, it's good. It's the sort of thing that could have been a really trashy just or bog-standard thriller. Really conventional. Yeah. But I think it was the screenplay was written by the, the author, the woman. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously... She knew enough about what she was doing in terms of the, the, the media satire and that thing. Yeah. About so there was depth to it. And then they had a director that is really good at taking bog standard sort of concepts and ideas and turning them to something in, into really classy because even his yeah even his stuff like panic room and the game which are pretty just bog standard thrillers they're really well made and yeah. it's yeah it's just david fincher's just he's a good director and he knows what he's doing with good material and he can elevate things to a, a, a more interesting level than they would otherwise be in the hands of someone else so yeah I was really impressed with it. Me too. Moving on to a, a film that we weren't so impressed with <laughs> this month. We're going to do Fury, are we? Fury. Did so, uh, did it unleash the fucking fury in you? You, were, you seemed it. quite upset. Um, I've calmed down now, but the thing the thing is right. Um, and um, the, the 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 friends of mine that I saw it with both turned to me and said, "Well, don't fucking read the publicity then." But all the publicity for it, you know, Brad Pitt and the whole cast were at the London Film Festival talking about the film, yeah. the premiere, and saying, yeah, you know, war's not a video game. This film really shows the, the horror of war, right? Now, for me, Fury just felt like a Call of Duty game. Yeah. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's clear stages that they kind of work from, and then there's like wave after wave of enemies, and then they clear the enemies, and then they move on to the next stage. Yeah, that's it's that's ironic that they would say, "Oh, war's not a computer game." Uh, it's it's because while it does show uh, certain horror, horrific things that happen in a it war, I've does, never yeah. seen a World War Two film that trivialises and glamorises war in the way Fury does, and it and it felt like it was made by someone with a split personality. Like half of them wanted to make like uh, a tasteful World War Two film, like Saving Private Ryan. The other half wanted to make. Uh, a computer game movie, a movie based on a computer game like World of Tanks. Yeah, yeah. It it really was just. It's a very odd film. Mm. Um, I think yeah, split personality is quite a quite a good way of describing it. Because I mean, there is some good stuff in it. I mean, the 
you know the scenes where there's the people being sort of ha- hanged because they've they've refused to fight for the Nazis and mm. there's this sort of the, they go over some mud and there's a body that's been in there for however long and you know there's that's fine but the thing is all it's doing is it's kind of pointing and going look war's terrible isn't it yeah we're not going to do much more than just point that out to you yeah because because um it doesn't there's there's a couple of scenes like like when Brad Pitt makes uh that young lad trying to shoot the prisoner the SS officer yeah. there's moments like that where it's try it, it makes an, an effort to explore the psychological horrors of war and the effect it has on on the soldiers, which is yeah. good, but there's not enough of that. So what you end up with, but then is, the is climax quite... of that scene, though, the climax of that scene is kind of. It should be well in war, nobody's a winner. But what it actually kind of is, it's just like let's shoot the Nazi. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's. I don't know. Yeah, because that—that's the thing. Because because there's not enough of that that the psychological impacts on the soldiers. There's not enough of the human side, the the, the horror. Uh, what you end up with is a lot of visual horror that just feels like a bit gratuitous. Like it's just put in to shock you and be scary. Like oh, he's, yeah, cle- he's yeah. cleaning out the insides of the tank. Oh, there's half a face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it felt a little bit not in a little bit in bad taste because yeah, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the depth and awareness and I think maturity or intelligence that films like Saving Private Ryan or stuff like Band of Brothers yeah. has when it comes to how to handle no, graphic, it doesn't. graphic I mean, violence. I, and it's obviously, it's directed by David Ayer who directed End of Watch. And yeah. I don't know if that's, which is quite a mas, you know, quite a masculine Meatheaded. Meatheaded. Of, meat-headed yeah. Uh, full of bravado and all this kind of thing. And yeah. I think that does kind of yeah, it leaks spill it. into this. It's, yeah, definitely. It is kind of that end of watch, meat-headed thing. But it's a bit that, that final scene. That final scene where he's going, they're shooting the guns. He's going, fucking Nazis, take that, you Nazis! He's like, no, oh, yeah. that is just ridiculous. Like dialogue. Yeah. You can't. How can you have someone shouting, "Die, Nazis, gum!" in a in a genuine sort of serious World War Two film? It's just. Is that the yeah. best sort of dialogue you come up with? The best line. It's. It's juvenile. It feels really sort of juvenile. Yeah, yeah. Juvenile is a good word for it, I think. Um, yeah, I just... I think I knew it wasn't going to be for me when <clears throat> the opening shot is a German soldier on a white horse and he's riding through and Brad Pitt knifes the soldier in the neck mm. and then lets the horse run free. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Is this, is this what I'm going to have to put up with for the next two hours? This kind of really obvious kind of imagery and, yeah, just fucking bullshit heroics. and. Mm. I mean, it did do a few things that I like. Um, it was about something that I don't think's really been explored before in films um, that I couldn't be aware of, like the, the tanks, the, the roles of tank drivers and... Yeah, gunners Prob- being has, the claustrophobia but... of being stuck inside a tank, or you know, at, at least not in the full big Hollywood treatment with yeah, all the, yeah. the special effects and props and the violence and all that. So you know that aspect of the role tanks play in war, that's quite interesting. I I found that interesting, and 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 what it's like inside it and their relationships, the characters' relationships, like the squabbling, but the bond that they have in there. But it's just it's just a lot of the scenes outside of the tank. Like the tank battle, I thought was genuinely quite good. Yeah, I was quite I mean, the, engaged. The, the with action, it. 
you know, I've got no issues with the way the action's directed and stuff like that. It's it it is very well directed. It's just like I say, it feels like a feels like a video game. It feels like there's a stage to clear. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, it does look great, and the action is really well directed. But it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It feels a bit hollow and video gamey. Uh, David, I don't think David Ata is uh, is uh, smart enough to write intelligent characters or well-rounded, interesting characters. Cause... Well, certainly not well-rounded female characters. No, because <laughs> those two, those two sisters, it's just like, yeah, fine. I know they don't speak a dilingo, but they just they're just wooden. You know, it's they're not given anything to do, and then there's this kind of really unpleasant, rapey kind of atmosphere in the whole scene. And then, like two seconds later, they're coming out of the building, and then the the house gets bombed, and they die. Mm. And I actually laughed just out of sheer disbelief at how ridiculous and ludicrous. I was like, "Really? We can see it really? As soon as the bomb started falling, it's like, oh, they're yeah. obviously going to be dead." It's, it's just like, really, this is this is. It's just so cheap. It's like mm. cheap. Let's just wring some cheap emotion out of it. It's just the the characters had these sort of. I don't know. I didn't feel like any depth. I didn't understand like what. Why the 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 Shane off Walking Dead is such a fucking cunt in this. It's just uns- yeah. insufferable. It's like when they burst in on them having this nice little meal, and he bursts in and starts acting like a colossal cunt. Yeah. I'm like, why is he being like that? And he's had a few drinks, but what what's driven him to be so horrible to people that he's supposed yeah. to yeah. be? You know, have has to work with every day. He's supposed to because you're told that they're like brothers and they'd do anything for this yeah. commander. But they're still going to act like an absolute prick to him just because they yeah. can. I didn't understand the motivation for it. And I didn't understand no. why Brad Pitt wouldn't have just gone, get the fuck out of here right now because you're pissing me <laughs> yeah. off. I, I yeah, just didn't understand. It's, it's just really it just doesn't seem to have a good grasp of characters. And, and it was the same with End of Watch. They had some really shallow characters in it. Like The villains in that were terrible. Yeah, God, they were, weren't they? Just insufferable. Mm. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about it. I mean, I think it was it it was in love with Brad Pitt as a film, like yeah. just the way he was framed in each and every shot. It was like, yeah, okay, we get it. It's a Brad Pitt film. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for that. It's Brad Pitt on a tank. <laughs> yeah. No. But, yeah, I mean, it, it... Ultimately, you know, tanks, but no tanks. <laughs> 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 brilliant brilliant if you have just listened to us now um, after winding on from Gone Girl you have just missed the best joke in the podcast so you might want to just wind back a couple of seconds <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> uh, uh, right what's the last right. one Nightcrawler Nightcrawler which I loved I also loved. Good, good. Glad we agreed. And tune um, in next month for. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you love I about s- it, Mark? Well, I suppose in a similar way to Gone Girl, it's a it's a great Hollywood yeah. satire. Yeah, it's on, another on sort of media. media indictment of um, the of the media because it's it's all about that kind of thing. It's like should should news networks really be chasing ratings? You know, should they be trying to find bigger and better ways to tell stories so that more people watch them? And you know, does that then corrupt the you know the story and, and corrupt like what's actually being told here? Is it blurring the line between news is... and entertainment? Exactly, um, and it's done in such a great way. 
Yeah. Um, and nobody comes off well out of it. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of um, a sort of, I wouldn't say indictment, but like maybe a, a subversion of the American dream is about someone, and not yeah, just someone, but maybe yeah. an industry that's built on, you know, achieving the American dream through very unethical, dodgy means by yeah. lying and cheating and breaking the law. Uh, and he gets he gets everything he wants. Yeah. Through that, he builds builds up a little empire from it, and he's successful and prospers, and does some very bad things on the way. And I thought he that was does. quite interesting. Yeah, because I mean, he starts out as a thief. Yes, yeah, um, but not just a thief, but a th- like he beats that guy up. Yeah, well, yeah. He beats someone up, so you know he has a, vi- a, a, a He's not uh, averse to violence. Yeah. And that lingers the whole way through it. There's this threat of what he might do. Yeah, it's a great performance from Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he's really good. He is like one of like, I think Lou Bloom is one of cinema's great fucking creeps. (laughs) Like up there with like Patrick Bateman, Travis Bickle, you know, he's he's properly just creepy. The news reporter from Die Hard. <laughs> yes. Who is also one of cinema's other biggest pricks in Ghostbusters. The guy so who shuts is. down the containment unit. The guy just, yeah. just a, he does fucking prick brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's a fantastic performance. Um Jason was like, oh, I think I think he's up for some Oscars and I was like, Really? I was a bit surprised, but yeah, he, he is. I suppose he deserves I, an Oscar nomination. I think he, he, was be, good, I think he would be. I think he'll be up for one. Because um, he is I mean I love the scene where he kind of he's walking around the news studio as if he's like you know part of the team. Yeah, and he sort of like says hello to the two reporters and like he tells them a joke or something and he just has this laugh that's just hollow. <laughs> yeah, but really fucking terrifying. Really creepy. And yeah, you know it reminded me a fair bit of the King of Comedy. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not. I mean, it's it's actually a sort of similar thing because the yeah, King so of Comedy yeah, is about someone that wants to be a comedian and does something really bad in order to get <laughs> yeah. it um it's it's a very similar sort yeah, of theme point, but done in a very different it. way yeah but he's he's also yeah rupert pupkin's got to be one of cinema's creepiest characters as well yes definitely i think also i mean what's what's really great about it it's kind of got that sort of 70s hollywood vibe where nobody there's not really many sympathetic characters but you don't care because there's a really great story being told Mm. I think the most sympathetic character you've got is Riz Ahmed as his assistant. Yeah. Who's kind of like, should we really be doing this? <laughs> is this not a little bit... <laughs> yeah, is but this not wrong? But he's willing to, <laughs> willing to do it if paid and enough the reason, money. Well, this is the thing. The reason he's willing to do it is because he can't get a job anywhere else. And I think there's this other kind of... It's fair enough, it's ostensibly a, a satire on the media, but there's this undercurrent of kind of the job market in America of unemployment of it's like, well... You know how how can you survive? You've got to turn to these kind of nefarious means. Yeah, that's what I think to make money and to you know as as damning as it is of sort of media and all that news as entertainment and stuff. That's why I think there's also a lot more going on about like the American dream and and, and all of that stuff. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, very Brilliant, <laughs> brilliantly shot as well because Tony Gilroy is his brother, mm. isn't it? John Gilroy. Uh, Dan Gilroy. Dan I think. Gilroy. Let me yeah. just double check that. Because this was his directorial debut, and it was really impressive, beautifully shot, like really just a really solid story and characters. There's nothing in it was oh that didn't really make sense. I didn't understand what you know everything in it was just really well tightly paced. I don't know if maybe that's something to do because wasn't he an editor? 
He was a uh, scriptwriter. Was he? Yeah. Um, he, he wrote... Do you want to know what he wrote? What? Um, he's not had a great... Before oh. Nightcrawler, because he wrote Nightcrawler as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nightcrawler is the first film he's directed, like we said. Uh, but he created... He came up with a story for the Hugh Jackman... Uh, father's redemption through robot boxing film Real Steel. Oh, that was a right, <laughs> that wasn't a bad. Thing it was alright, yeah, actually, I did quite enjoy it. Um, but he also wrote the screenplay for the Bourne Legacy, uh. the Jeremy Renner uh, outing. See, again, that could have been okay. Maybe his brother fucked it up. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's like, bro, the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, and he's he's married to Renny Russo because I was oh. like, when do you, I was like, how often do you see Renny Russo on screen these days? I was like, yeesh. <laughs> no, she was good in it as well, actually. She was really good, actually, yeah. Um, as this, like, you know, news, well, broadcaster under pressure to deliver ratings. Yeah. Um, so just like, yeah, yeah, this is great. We want, if, what was it, what's it she says? I want our news to be a, a woman running down the, down the street screaming with her throat cut. Yeah. And you know, people are watching that over breakfast. Essentially, that's the that's the idea. It's this perverse, but it's you know, it's so true of of kind of how yeah, sensationalist news. News yeah. has got to be uh, you know. She's like, well, if it's if a crime's happened in you know the projects, no one gives a shit. But if it's yeah. happening in like the suburbs, and if it's ethnic minorities committing the crimes, that is news. That sells because yeah. that makes people afraid, and that uh, is a story and. Oh, it's so interesting. And I was watching the stuff that he does. I was like, this has got to be illegal. Surely, when as soon as yeah. he gives that footage in, that's absolutely against the law. But And I don't know how much of it is, you know... Um, but, I mean, the thing is... Grounded though, in reality. Like, would, would a station genuinely be able to air that I think they without? would. Because if you look, um, if you look at any, any article on, like, a BBC News website these days, or even the news itself... There's, there's very, very often. Oh, are you in the area? Um, do you have footage of what's just happened? You know, send it into us, and you know, we might, might feature it. Yeah. Like that genuinely does happen. People looking for camera phone footage or photographs or eyewitness accounts. So I mean, yeah, I think there's, there is that whole thing where they have the kind of well, we can't show this. We have to blur that out. Um. But just going going into the house, yeah, yeah and finding yeah. loads of people murdered, and not you know just waiting for the police to arrive or um, leaving immediately because he's trampled all over a crime scene essentially. Yeah. Um, I just thought surely he'd get arrested for that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure. No, it's really good. I really liked it. Um, probably also be in my top ten of the year. I would have thought. I think yeah, I think it's it's definitely in mind, I think. Um I just really loved it. It was it's so refresh it's been a really good year actually for kind of intelligent um big budget, essentially. I mean I Nightcrawl is a bit more independent. Um but it's, not, independent f- but it's not like well it's in, it's got independent sort of feel to it because it's good and it's not <laughs> about a mainstream big it's not the sort of thing. But it's not sell as me. it's not as big budget and not as, as sort of strongly backed as something like Gone Girl for But example. it looks Fully sort of, it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't look like this is an indie film, so give it a break. It's it's yeah. a very well financed, very well made film. Uh, yeah, and it, um, it has been a fairly good year for films. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, for like for sort of films about America, like Gone Girl, Nightcrawler, Maps the Stars. You know, there's there's been some really 
fucking good films out this year. Stuff like Captain America, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, even even your yeah even your big comic book films have been kind of interesting looks at sort of American society and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> A change is gonna come. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else you want to say on Nightcrawler? Did you see Jake Gyllenhaal's other film he's done recently? But it sort of crept out, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, it's called Enemies, directed by the guy that did Prisoners. No, I've still not seen Prisoners actually. Um, Have you I've not? Got it. No, I've got it sitting here. I might, I might watch it this week actually. That's really but yeah, good. Yeah, I've still not around to watch it, but I've heard that's pretty good. No, I liked Prisoners a lot, but he's this, done this new film called I think it's called Enemy, and that was supposed to be really good as well. Is it's it actually sort of... out over here? Or has it just been out in America? Well, I don't... It's, it's been out. A while ago, I think, in the States. So I'm assuming it hasn't come out over here yet. Okay. Or, or, you oh, won't no, get sorry, it. I'm assuming that it's come out and we've missed it. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not been on in Edinburgh, but I don't know. Maybe it's just not, it's been delayed a bit over here. I'm not sure. Um, Keep an eye out. Yeah, we will do. Um, but one thing I wanted to just quickly talk about is the Australian horror film called The Babadook. Um, which I went to see yesterday and absolutely fucking adored it. Um, Yeah, I really, really liked it. And do you know why I liked it? I'll give you an idea. I'll give you an idea about why I liked it. Alvin... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Long-term listeners will remember Alvin. uh, Gave it a 2 out of 10. So it's... I'm going to guess it's an intelligent horror film. Yeah. Because basically, Stuart, it's not really about... A monster, yeah, or a demon. It's about depression, and it's about sort of the the fear of you know being a single mother after a great tragedy and having to you know being lumbered with this kid and and all these kind of dark thoughts that you have. And it's it's properly it stays with you, and it's about something. Remember when horror films used to be about something? Yeah, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> and people people don't like that. You know, uh, I've Alvin, long said, Alvin doesn't like that. <laughs> I've long said Alvin is the epitome of the average cinema goer, and sometimes sometimes I've meant that as a compliment. Very rarely I've meant that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's very much of the the cattle prod cinema kind of kind of school. You know, like your Conjuring, your Women in Black, where it's just yeah. like cheap thrills for an hour and a half, and you go home. And, you know, you've had a wee scare. And that's fine. You know, that's entertainment. But, you know, I like something... If you like something a bit meatier in your horror films, I would say Oculus and The Babadook from this year are pretty pretty good stuff. So is it a horror or is it more like sort of psychological thriller? It is. It's, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it is a horror because, you know, there is sort of like a scary monster in it and, you know, mm. creepy noises. and. But it is, it's got a much more sort of psychological bent to it as well because, like I say, it is a, it's about depression and, and sort of yeah. mental illness. And, yeah, it's fantastic. Cool. I'd not really... I'd heard of it. I've heard yeah. it. And I'd, I'd, I'd heard a few good things about it, but, I, you know, I'd heard good things about Insidious and I thought it was another strike. That's true. Um, <laughs> so I just didn't really pay much attention. Yeah. Well, it's it's worth a watch. If I don't, I don't know if you've got it down. Yeah, I might see if it's still on. Alvin saw it, but... Um, but next month, shall we talk about what we've got coming up next month? Yeah. What we what <clears throat> Well, Interstellar, first of all. Yeah. We're intimid- not supposed to save the planet. We're supposed to bloody leave it. <laughs> Fantastic. There's going to be more of that next month. Long-term um, <laughs> listeners will be like, oh, I've missed the impressions. <laughs> 
So we've got that. We've got Interstellar. Um, no, you've done the wrong. You know, sorry. <laughs> if, what? If, if I was if, if I was Steve Coogan, I'd be like, no, that's old Michael Caine. New Michael Caine's like, you're not supposed to. Yeah, all right, then. We'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for next month. We'll save it for next month. Uh, okay, so uh, Interstellar. And we'll do it over a, a gourmet meal as well. <laughs> so yeah, what are we talking about next month? Interstellar. Hunger Games, I guess. That's Is that it. out as well? The in- yeah. Intimidation Game. The Imitation Game, yeah, with uh, old Benny Thundersnatch. Um, did I say Intimidation Game? Imitation. You game. did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch that kind of game. <clears throat> Uh, yep, the imitation game. Uh, what else have we got? The drop. I don't know if you're getting that with Tom Hardy and oh, um, James Gandolfini. I'm be looking forward to that. I've watched um, Say When as well. So if we are, if what you get the say drop, Say When. Uh, it's called. Is like, that the La- one with Kira Knightley? Yeah, it's called Laggies or something in the states. Which... I like. Um, oh, what's that? I forgot the name of the bloody director now. Is it Lynn Shelton? Don't know. What's, what else she done? She directed um, Your Sister's Sister. With Emily Blunt and Mark Duplass, which I really liked. Um, okay. Just kind of indie rom commy kind of thing, but it was. Is it one of these sort of shoegaze films that they go on about? Uh, yeah, Mumblecore. Mumblecore. <laughs> Mumblecore. Uh, well, I might try and catch See When then, if it's if it's still about. Nah, nah. Or not. <laughs> or not. Um, yeah, yeah, no, think, go watch it. Just, you know, Sam Rockwell Inter- was in Inter- it. Interstellar, Hunger Games, uh, The Drop. Imitation game. Yeah, that's, good. that's, that's good a good. That's a good four. And if and if we and if we don't get the drop, I'll talk about say when, and you can talk about it. Okay. But I will I'll be furious if jealous. that's what it comes to, because I really want to see the drop. Um, so yeah, so we've got those next month. Uh, there will be more uh, terrible Michael Caine impressions to enjoy, um, and maybe some space puns as well. Who knows? And Tom Hart, <laughs> Tom Hardy's doing an accent, so we and we always try and do our Tom Hardy impressions whenever he's in a film. That's, we try and mimic, mimic his voice, whether it's Locke, whether it's Bane, whatever. Before I go, before we go, I'll tell you a little story about my work the other day. Uh, so I was putting all the tickets together for a collection for a show and uh, I was standing next to one of my colleagues and she's like, oh, um, somebody left a ticket to be picked up, shall I put it in? And I was like, yeah, yeah, what's the surname? And she went, Bane. And I went, I'm not going to do the voice. And she went, go on, do the voice. And I was like, oh, all right. I went, so, you think darkness is your ally? I didn't do it like that. That was like Yoda. That was like Yoda. (laughs) But then when I did it, I immediately hated myself and just shuffled off. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. How did it's the other person react? Anymore. She kind of laughed uncomfortably. <laughs> I'm used to women laughing uncomfortably in my presence, so really, it's it's fine. Yeah, you should thrive off it. It should be like an energy that you feed off. <laughs> With each un- woman you make uncomfortable, you grow stronger. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we've we've made some of you laugh uncomfortably over the course of this podcast, and uh, we'll see you next month. Goodbye. Bye.